At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is John Hudspeth, and this is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I hope you guys can tell by my voice I'm feeling much better this week. Had a little bit of a rough go of it last week when I was recording, but feeling much better now. And uh, and yeah, I'm ready to talk to you guys this week. Like I said, feeling much, much better. And what a week it's been. It's been a great week. Uh, those of you who maybe not have been on uh, Instagram or Facebook might have noticed I was able to fill my last buck tag of the year. Finally got one with my bow. Surprisingly, though, that is not what we're going to talk about this episode. Um, I had a topic that I thought was maybe a little bit more pressing than me just telling another story. Um, But I did get it done. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to tell you guys the story. Uh, There's kind of a fun, funny, scary story that goes along afterwards that I can't wait to tell you guys. But again, I'm going to hold off on all that. But I don't feel bad talking about it because, like I said, I've already put it on Instagram and Facebook and everything. So, uh, yeah, if you guys are not following me on those platforms, you need to be. But, um, yeah, like I said, just wanted to get that out there, get it out in the open. Like I said, I was pretty excited about it. Um, Great hunt, great story. But, again, that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about some duck hunting. And I've been telling you guys that, you know, I've been excited to do some. I was able to do some this week, actually. (laughs) Not a very successful hunt. Um, but it was still fun to get out there and test the waters, and uh, I got to see a, a old spot that I had hunted, gosh, I, I think it's been eight years since I've hunted this spot, um, so it was just kind of fun to get out there, um, you know, talk to the, the landowner again, uh, who's actually my great uncle now, <laughs> um, so fun to talk to him for just a minute and uh, and get out there and, you know, survey the land. It's changed quite a bit, actually, since I've been out there last. Um, There's a lot more new growth, like smaller trees that have grown up and stuff, which is kind of good because um, the pond, it's a big pond, probably like a two-acre pond, and has a bunch of big cottonwoods around the dam that have always provided good cover. But, uh, gosh, I think it was a freeze several years ago, or, I mean, you know, like I said, a decade ago now. Um that uh, it was one of those ice storms where the, or the you know, it rained and then it froze, and a bunch of these big trees had huge limbs that broke. 
And so it, it took away a lot of the cover that we had for hunting this pond. And so it's been kind of good to see some smaller trees grow up. Got a few more places to hide. Um, I did have some birds come in, but they all came in before legal light. And so I wasn't able to get a shot at any of those. And then once it finally got legal light, nothing else came in. And so that's how the hunt went. But like I said, still fun to get out there. Um, got all my decoys and stuff here. Got my waders and everything. And I am ready to go some more. I wish I could go this weekend. But I'll be at the ATA show once again. I don't know why they do that in early January. They should push it back a little bit. But that's not for me to say. Um, I wish I could change it, but I can't. And so still going to have a few weeks duck hunting when I get home, though. And um, and that is what we were talking about today. I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, today, our good friend Michael Ashcraft, who's been on the show before, he came on this spring to talk about turkey hunting. And I think I mentioned on that episode that his true passion is waterfowl hunting. And that's what we talk about today. He gives us a little update on the season so far. Um, if any of you have been paying attention to the waterfowl world or hunting it yourself, you know it's been a pretty crazy year. Um, very, very warm. Very low numbers. Um, he talks a little bit about that, explains his theories on why he thinks that's happening. And then, of course, we get into some scouting. Um, the main thing we kind of talk about today is decoys, um, you know, how he does his spread, what he bases it off as far as numbers and everything, kind of how he works it. Um, so just a really good conversation. Um, I will say he was on the road scouting when we recorded this. Um, I was very lucky he was able to squeeze me in, but uh, he does go in and out just a little bit, not too bad. Uh, most of us who live in a rural place understand what that's like, and so hopefully you get, can give him a little grace on that. But please, please pay attention to what he's talking about. Um, you know, he's given us his resume a little bit in the past. Uh, this guy kills a lot of birds. He drives thousands of miles every year. Um, he kills hundreds or thousands of ducks every year, um, between him and his hunting, hunting partners. And so, I mean, it does not get any more diehard than this guy right now. So please pay attention. Please listen to him because you can learn a lot from this guy. And, uh, like I said, it was kind of a, a quick interview this time. He didn't have a whole lot of time. And so I think, uh, maybe after the season or something, when we get a little more time, we might do a longer full episode, but this episode still packs a punch for how short it is, so get out a pen and paper, get ready to take some notes, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So for all you duck hunters out there, this one's for you. I'm sorry it's been a little lacking on the content as far as the podcast is concerned, uh, but this one's for you guys. I hope you enjoy it, and here's my interview with Michael Ashcraft. Hey everybody, I'm with returning guest Michael Ashcraft. How you doing, Mike? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Uh, we were talking just a little bit here before we got on, and uh, you got off the rig yesterday, and you're scouting right now, right? Yes, sir. I'm actually just finished scouting and headed back home. So it's starting to set. Oh, nice. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, real quick, before we jump off too far, I know you've been on before, but uh, real quick, why don't you just give everybody a little rundown of who you are, what you do, and uh, and yeah, just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Michael Ashcraft. I'm a drilling fluids engineer in the oil field for about the last little over a decade now. And, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes here, I'm a hard water feller. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you uh, you came on back in the spring to talk turkeys with us. And I said back then that, you know, I, I knew you kind of through duck hunting, some mutual friends and stuff. 
and uh, and I knew I'd want to get you back on during duck season, and I'm kind of ashamed it's taken me so long to do it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm ready to talk ducks now. I I basically I tagged out with my deer, and so now I'm moving on to duck season. I know you've been there already, yeah, but all that. that. That's kind of how I work. All that. So, um, but yeah, man. Well, real quick, what to start us out? Um, you know, I've been following you on Instagram and stuff, and you've talked about what a tough year it is. Um, I'm kind of getting a little taste of that now that I'm getting into it. Um, why don't you tell everybody just a little background of what's been going on this season? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a really strange year. It's, it seems like we keep one-upping ourselves on bad, poor lack of winter weather every year. And every year I say, man, are we ever going to have a warmer year than this year? And then we have one the next year, and that's kind of what we've had. We're kind of, I think, in like a La Nina or something pattern, and it's, you know, just it's what it was predicted it is about just about right. It's been dry, and it's been really warm up until this last week while I was at work and we got that one good Arctic air push. I mean, we haven't seen a true cold front and we really still haven't seen one that's lasted more than two or three days. You know, that's not enough to really move ducks. A lot of your ducks, even up North where it's where it seems way too cold for them. If it's going to warm up in two or three days, they'll just sit it out, Mm -hmm. go feed for 30 minutes, keep find a place where they can hang out with geese and keep open water. And you know, they'll stick it out and uh, especially big ducks, man, dollars, pintails, grain, grain eaters. But, uh, but yeah, I think the, the, the weather is the biggest issue. I, you know, in my part of the country, we're in a pretty bad drought. We haven't seen a drop of rain, measurable drop of rain before a little bit of snow flurry here last week since, uh, probably August 1st. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we are dry, dry, dry. A lot of your stock pond, cattle pond type of stuff drying up. Mm. You know, it's just it just hasn't been ideal. Not mm-hmm. not a lot of migrating birds, mostly mm-hmm. calendar birds that are are going to travel and migrate regardless of the weather. And that's mm-hmm. about all we've seen from ducks. Yeah, it seems like for me, you know, this big uh, winter spell we had just a few days ago. That seemed to me that like the birds that were here that pushed them south, but then no new birds came with it. Yep. Is that what you're seeing too? Yeah, that's exact. That, that's exactly right. I mean, I've just gotten home and really just got five hours into my scout today, but definitely have not seen a reload from when I left. You know, eight days ago, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, I, I've got some buddies that were hunting a couple hours east and north of where I'm at. And they did see a bunch. They were freelancing up in that part of the country. And, you know, for the first two days they were there before the front, it was pretty tough to find ducks. And then after the front, they pounded them for a week straight. Hmm. And so uh, there was definitely some migration that happened with that front. But it just it seems like it was a little bit east of us here in the Panhandle. So it's just, you know, I don't know. If the geese have been here. They've been prevalent, you know. The lessers are everywhere, but but the, the ducks, which is what I really care about, are just mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It's it's been the worst year, just overall bird numbers, not to mention my own hunting numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been the worst year in probably thirteen, fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, just, uh, just, it, just 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 bad, man. Just yeah. just really bad. Yeah. We, so I'm on up, opposite side, you know, eastern Oklahoma, and uh, we've had zero geese. Like I haven't seen any geese. 
um, some ducks, but like I said, you know, they got kind of got pushed out. Um, yeah, I've, I've, that's one thing I've really noticed is that there's there's been no geese on this side of the state, at least that I've seen. Um, yeah, yeah, man, it's it just it's just been a strange migration year. I think between between the prairie pothole regions of Canada being really dry this year, and then North Dakota, South Dakota being unusually dry. I think you just, whether it was a bad hatch or you've just seen birds shift and adjust as needed to, to, to nest and to, you know, and, and change their migration patterns based on where the water is, which they do, you know, they, they adjust. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've kind of seen that this year. It's, uh, it's, it hadn't been it hadn't been a good one for us, you know, as, as far as, as overall bird numbers. We've had ducks. I mean, I started in Canada, and we had a great 10 days in Canada and Alberta and had a great trip in South Dakota with, with a couple of buddies freelancing. But from there down, it's just been from, from, about, from about mid-October on, it's been pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> maybe that wasn't a great way to start the show because after we talked about how hard they are to kill now I want to talk about how to kill them so maybe that was maybe that was bad uh bad uh I don't know talking on my point but uh or organization I should say so um well man uh you, you've been scouting a lot I want to talk about your scouting just a little bit I know that is huge for you um run us through your scouting real quick you know what you, are you looking for specifically birds are you just looking for habitat? Um, I know you put a lot of miles on your truck every year. What are you looking for when you're driving around? Yeah, in my part of the country, there's not really boat access. You're not going to go put in like you would on the you know Texas coast in the marsh or Louisiana and go just drive around and look for birds or you know get on a big reservoir and look for birds in a certain area and then just go be there in the morning. For us, it's small water, cattle ponds, stock ponds, uh, creeks. And yeah, I mean, I'm just covering miles looking for birds. I mean, I, I've got enough data for the area that I'm in that I know where birds want to be when they're. And you know, I cover about a 120 mile radius, mm-hmm. and you know, I'll just start checking off the ponds and checking off dry fields and checking off stuff where guys, you know, we've seen a massive, massive growth in outfitters in my part of the world, and they're screwing everything up pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the stuff that I know either isn't leased or I can get on it, even if it is, I'll go check that stuff. You know, if it's dry field stuff, it'll be, you know, early morning, late evening kind of the deal. Or, you know, if it's a goose loaf or a low pond somewhere, I'll know the day they're going to be there. And, you know, it really just all kind of goes on how the day goes as far as my hunt. If I can kill birds quick and get in and out, then, you know, I can go home, hang out with the kiddo, you know, eat breakfast with the wife and then get on the road and drive until dark. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, try to line, try to line up, you know, one or two or three shoots or at least some options to look at the next day mm-hmm. after I hunt. And so, uh, so yeah, more than anything, it's just, it's just looking for stuff. You know, I've, I've established enough permission in my area that it's not, you know, I'll still go out of my way and drive, you know, two or three county counties over cover this county road 10 miles further than i have before to look for new stuff if i need to go knock on a door if i'm really struggling Mm -hmm. but uh but for the most part you know i'm going to go look at stuff that i have permission on already that's you know either exclusive access to me or i know 
I don't have to worry about anybody hunting it because I know that, you know, their family or a rancher or farmer or something. And I know, you know, I've got it and, you know, I'll go just essentially just go drive around and check that stuff off, usually to the tune of about 350 or 400 miles every day. <laughs> man, that's a lot. But, uh, man, that's that's why you it get is. it done. It's a lot. It's, <laughs> it's, about, it's, about, it's about 30, anywhere from 30 to 33,000 miles a year during duck season, mm-hmm. not counting Canada, South Dakota, probably pushing 40,000 mm-hmm. if you figure in Canada, South Dakota. But that's the name of the game, man. It's... Mm-hmm. In, in this part of the country, the scout, and probably everywhere, really, the scout is what it's all about. You've mm-hmm. got you to be where they want to be, and, you know, then, then goes the hide, then goes the decoy spread, then goes the calling, kind of in that order, if you're asking me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's about finding the birds. If you, if, you don't, if you don't know there's birds there, then, you know, you're just pissing in the wind. Yeah, yep. That's what I did two days ago. <laughs> so... That's what a lot of people do, you know, that's what a lot of people do, John, and they don't understand, you know, why they don't kill birds, and they just mm-hmm. go out to their same pond, whether mm-hmm. whether they scouted, whether they didn't, and, you know, I mean, these birds are migratory, they're, you know, they can be there today and gone tomorrow, I've had birds, I've had 200 birds on a half-acre pond the day before, and we go hunt it, and there's 15 the next day, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's hunting, you, you're not always going to get them, but you got a whole lot better shot if you saw him leave there the night before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to back spot with a good hide and, you know, really much spread the next day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, man. That's that's exactly what I was looking for. And uh, you mentioned kind of your key points there, the scouting, the decoys, and the calling. And, and I don't expect you to give everybody a, a calling tutorial over this podcast, but I would love to pick your uh, brain about decoys and – uh, I know you're not out there with a dozen decoys you bought from Walmart. You got the full spread. And so I kind of want to just turn you loose on this and uh, oh, know, just yeah. let people know, uh, you know, uh, brands and stuff, that's not that important to me. But, you know, early season versus late season, big spreads versus little spreads, um, you know, how you decide what you're going to put out that morning, um, how you're going to lay them out. Uh, you know, like on a cattle pond, you know, are you covering the whole thing? Are you putting them on one side? All that good stuff. Uh, like I said, I just want to let you run with it. So give give everybody a little decoy rundown. Yeah, as far as as far as what we do or what I do, I try to match what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, if we're hunting a two-acre pond and there's 100 ducks in there, you know, we're not going to go throw 12 or 13 dozen out. 14 mm-hmm. dozen crazy, but you know, anywhere from five to seven dozen, as long as I feel like I can adequate, adequately provide motion to those decoys, whether it's from a jerk rig or a mojo or a, you know, duck butt splasher or something that'll keep those decoys moving. If we don't have good winds, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm going for. Um, you know, try to, you know, it's just like fly fishing. You're, you're trying to match the hatch. Mm-hmm. So what you see is what they're going to see, and it's what they've been seeing however long they've been coming to that pond. And so, you know, species is not quite as important. I mean, we shoot a lot of widgeons, so we'll use a lot of what we call whites, pintail and widgeon decoys, just because that's what they're hanging out with. But we'll also throw, you know, just almost as many green heads. And if I know we're going to have a chance at shooting some canvasbacks, we'll throw out, you know, a dozen cans or a dozen bluebills or something that's more of a diver centric decoy just to kind of give them a little bit of confidence but 
Yeah, I mean, more, more than anything else, as far as actual decoys, it is try to mask what you see. You know, unless you're hunting something that's super pressured, you're not going to hurt yourself with more decoys, especially if you have wind so that they'll move. Hmm. And, uh, you know, or, you know, two or three, four, you know, duck butts or a jerk rig or something to make it ripple where it looks real. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a, a lot of times guys that are hunting public, you go smaller, that's where you kill your birds because everybody's running 15 dozen decoys and, mm-hmm. you know, real ducks are coming in five or six as they're weary of those decoys. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you can kill your birds with a half a dozen decoys, you know, go hunt by yourself and get away from the crowd and you'll be surprised to see, to see what kind of action those birds do compared to, you know, 15 dozen decoys and five mojos because that's what they've been getting shot at all year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it gets them a little spooky. As far as as far as how I set them, if we're hunting really small water, like acre or less, I put decoys where I don't want ducks to land. Hmm. The, the open the open water where the decoys are is, is where the ducks are going to light hmm. on on little bitty stuff. I don't care if we're hunting backward wind. I don't care if the wind's in my back. I don't care if it's in my face. You know, if I know I can shoot across it in every angle, I don't care. All I want to I want to worry about hide first on that little stuff and then anywhere i don't want ducks to land i'll put decoys hmm. and uh and then you know but traditionally obviously i'm trying to get wind in my back sun in my back you know you know you obviously got to have perfect scenarios for that and then base everything on your hide and you know where those ducks want to be traditionally they want to be on what we call the soft spot where the wind is blowing, you know, from. If it's north wind, they're going to be on the north bank because they don't want to deal with that wind. They want to be as comfortable as possible while they're feeding, loafing, whatever they're doing, and they're always going to land into the wind. So, mm-hmm. you know, from a shooter's standpoint, if you can if you can set up where you've got wind at your back, those ducks are coming straight at you and presenting vitals, and, uh, you know, when they're coming into your, your decoy spread. And so, uh, so yeah, that's... You know, that's that's usually my, uh, you know, just basic, basic decoy spread is, you know, wind at your back. or I, I really don't mind a crosswind as long as we've got a decent hide. If the hide is better to shoot ducks at a crosswind where, you know, they're coming in from, you know, from the into a north wind, we'll sit on the, you know, east side of them mm-hmm. and shoot them across coming down because they're looking at the decoys. They're not looking at you. And so mm-hmm. you've got a lot better chance at getting those birds' feet down if they're not looking straight at you, if, if the hide, the good hide is in a crosswind, you know, I have absolutely no problem shooting those. But, but, but you know, yeah, that, that hide, a, after the scout, to me, hide is number two. And, you know, be trying to just be invisible, whether you're using a layout, whether you're hunting by yourself and just sitting next to a cedar tree or you're using A-frame blinds, you know, wh- whatever's the best option for the hide, for, for me, that's what I'm doing that day. And, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily the easiest, whatever you go with. You know, we, we, we hunted only layouts a long time until the A-frames, until the really good A-frames kind of came out, starting with the avians. And then, you know, we've been running a two-by-four Lucky Duck, two-by-four for the last three years. And it's, you know, it's been really good for us. And you can, you know, you could put two or three or four of those together. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's made these outfitters living for the last five mm-hmm. years because they can hunt 20 guys if they want. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, it just looks like a big edge row. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's just as far as a rundown of our, of our basic water spread, you know, it's just 
be where the ducks want to be, which is typically on the soft spot if you've got anything over, you know, 12 to 15 mile an hour wind and, you know, be hit. Spend your time getting hit and, you know, try to duplicate what you're seeing on the water from a spread motion, you know, number of decoy standpoint. I like it. Now, when you're mixing uh, species, you know, like you said, maybe throwing some canvas backs or something, do you, I mean, literally mix them, or do you try to keep them on one spot, you know, and your greenheads on the other, or do you just kind of throw them out there? Man, it, for as far as the divers, you typically see them out on the outside edge of your spread. Mm-hmm. You know, divers aren't going to be up where the where the puddle ducks are feeding. Puddle ducks are feeding in a foot or less of water, typically. Mm-hmm the divers are going to be diving down. So they're usually in three or four or six foot of water. So I usually try to set them opposite of which direction I think the birds are going to come from a little further out, you know, still killable mm-hmm. 35, maybe 35 yards out in their own little group, because that's how you see them. Mm-hmm. If you look at, if you look at ducks on a pond, all the species will be teal, mallards, pintails, widgeon, gadwall, they'll mix up. I mean, they try to stay kind of together, but they have no problem co-mingling when they're eating. Mm-hmm. And, but your divers are kind of usually going to be off to the side, and if you have any geese mixed in with them that are loafing on a pond or feeding on grasses, they'll be off to the side. And, and so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, it's, you, can, you can mix them all up. If you're, if you're on the eggs and you, I mean, the, the most important deal, like I said, is just do what you saw the day before. Mm-hmm. You know, make it make it look as realistic and as natural as as possible, so that they just don't think anything of it. They come in and decoy, and you know, if you have to call, great. But ideally, in an ideal world, your scout and your tide and your decoy placement is so good. All you got to do is be there. Hmm. Hmm. I like that. I like that. And then. Uh... As far as like mixing geese in, do you just do that if you're seeing geese, or do you throw some out there every once in a while? Um, I've always heard people using geese as kind of like a, a comfort decoy. You know, like if ducks see geese, they think it's safer or anything like that. Is that hoobla, or do you? Yeah, put a little some bit, a little bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in our part of the world, your part of the world, and mine, you might have a random goose or two just fly by. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't think it hurts you to have you know, five or even 10 goose floaters, or if you want to throw some right up on the shallow part of a bank, or if you're hunting a river or something, you know, even if you, you know, don't intend on shooting any geese, you never know. Yeah. You know, I I don't think it hurts. We don't always take them, but if we, if we think there's any chance we're going to see some geese, we'll just take five or six floaters and throw them off to the edge Mm -hmm. out to the side of the decoys kind of on their own. And you'll be surprised you know, I mean, we've done that and killed, you know, eight or ten geese in a day where we where we weren't planning on shooting any. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they see the decoys, especially for geese over water, make a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you don't have them, they're probably just, even if you can call, they'll, they'll probably just fly right by. And if you have even four or five floaters out there, sometimes that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. You hit them with a couple of little honks and, you know, they think, oh, okay, I got buddies down here and they lock in. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, uh, this question, I don't, I don't even know if you'll be able to answer it. You, you may uh, roll your eyes in disgust, but let's say somebody's out there listening, and they're they're the dozen decoy guys. That's what they got. You know, they got a farm pond. It's got some ducks on it. Uh, any advice for those guys? I mean, I, I'm sure the same principles kind of apply, but, um, uh, yeah, just any general advice for, you know, maybe a beginner or something? 
you know, the, the, big, the biggest advice I can give is just go. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you go, go, if you want, try to make it too. Mm-hmm. You know, try to go find some birds. If you've got access to public land in your area, whether it's via boat, you know, or whatever, you know, you can, uh, you can, you know, you can just try to, just try to go expand. Learn. The, the best way you're going to learn is obviously go home with somebody who knows. Mm-hmm. But if you're brand new trying to figure it out, you can, uh, you know, you can just go spend some time in the outdoors. That's mm-hmm. that's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hold right. on. Let me shut my dogs up. They're driving <laughs> me crazy. You're good. Hey, shut up. <laughs> I was just, I just pulled up to the house. My, uh, buddies are, my, my buddies are here, and they've got a dog, and it's a new yeah, dog. Yeah, and I've got all mine in the back of the pickup. So I got you. Well, I was just about to say I, to each other. I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think their dog's a male, and you know uh-huh. I've got all females, so it's mm-hmm. uh, you know one of those deals. I got you. Well, I won't keep you. I know you had a, a limited amount of time anyway. I don't want to keep you from your buddies, but uh, man, I really appreciate you jumping on here real quick. Yeah, absolutely, man. Holler back at me when the season's over, and I can give you, you know, a full recap. Last year was pretty rough until about January, and we came in pretty good. So, hopefully, this last I got twenty one more days to hunt, and then my season's over, and I got to go back to work the last week. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, well, twenty one days so we got a, got a in four uh, weeks. Yep, I was about to say twenty one days. That's pretty good. So that's a nice little span of time. So. It ain't bad. It's it's it. it, it that's right. It's, it's wrapping up. Every every sunset is 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 getting to the end. It's hurting my heart already. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. I really do. And uh, man, I hope you get after him. All right, brother. You too. All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. Short, sweet, and to the point. Thank you, Mike, for coming on. That was awesome. I uh, I definitely learned a few things, and I also definitely got called out on a few things. But I knew that coming in. We talked before we started recording, and and um, I, I yeah I I know that I'm not as hardcore as him uh, to begin with, and so I expected to be called out a little bit. But uh, but man, yeah, definitely some good stuff in there. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, really interesting at the first part talking about just kind of the lack of birds and, and the fronts pushing them through and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, I'd kind of been thinking about it, but I didn't really, it didn't dawn on me until we were talking about it just then. It's like, I finally got all my bucks killed here before January. Uh, I'm going to have like the most time to concentrate on ducks as I've had in years and there's no ducks to be had. Uh, not necessarily no ducks, but fewer ducks than normal or than the past years. And so, um, yeah, still going to be out there. Still going to try to kill some. Uh, and I hope I can get it done. So I don't know if I'm going to be driving 300 miles a day like Mike, but uh, I definitely have some options. And so need to put in a little bit more work than I've been doing. And, uh, and hopefully I can get some birds killed. So thanks again, Mike. Last exciting thing is I am just about to pack my bags and head to Kentucky for the ATA show. I've been talking about it for a few weeks. Very excited. Um, I've said again, this is my first time going. Uh, it's really the main reason I do this podcast is just so that I could go to this show. So I've been building it up a lot. I hope it doesn't let me down. I hope it's as fun and enjoyable um, as I've been, uh, you know, hoping it would be. I guess. Um, talk to Dan, hoping uh, Dan and I can get together for dinner one night or something, and uh, hopefully some other of the Sportsman Nation guys. And so. 
yep, that's about all I have. Really excited for that. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying what little bit is left of your season. Uh, oh, man, I counted up before. I think when this podcast comes out, there will be five days of deer season left, uh, which means there's about 20 days of duck season left, something like that. My math may be off there, but um, winding down, guys. And so uh, get out there, enjoy the little bit of time you have left, um, and hopefully you got a nice full freezer as the year's winding down. That's going to do it for me this week. I hope you guys have a great one. Get out there, enjoy God's creation. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.